Shamai a Kroiso. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. This week we speak to the oldest living ex-Glamorgan player, Ken Lewis. He started his professional career in the 1950 season and had 36 first-class appearances over six seasons, with a best bowling performance of 4 for 25 in the Daffodil County's innings victory against Kent in 1953. I met Ken at his home on a lovely sunny day just a few weeks ago. Okay, so we're here with Ken Lewis uh, of Newtown, Mid Wales, and we're going to talk a little bit about your past history, Ken, and we're going to go way, way back. So let's begin with being born and family and growing up here in Newtown. Yes, that's going back an awfully long way. Uh, I was born in 1928. Uh, Dad was a postman. It was humble beginnings. We lived in Newtown in Crescent Street. Um, I was one of ten, five boys, five girls. This is where I uh, was born into a sporting family, if you like, because as it turned out, everybody was of a sporting nature. I went to school in Newtown, in the, started off in the infants in Penniglotha, passed my 11 plus, and went to what we called the county school then which would be the high school of today. Started to get interested in sport when I was about seven or eight years of age. I had a next door neighbor who played cricket for Newtown, fast left arm bowler. And I would wait for him. I can remember on a Saturday lunchtime uh, outside the house waiting for him to come out and I'd carry his boots. We'd go down to the recreation ground and watch him play. My mum's side of the family produced all sorts of sportsmen. She had, her father was a good footballer. That's going back into the 1920s. Uh, She had uncles who played football, cricket, I remember later on in when I was a little older and I started to play cricket for Newtown, looking at the table at tea time, there were eight of, a, of the family playing in that side, uncles, cousins, my eldest brother and myself. Eight out of the 11 were all out of the family. Ken, before we go any further, do you want to tell us a little bit about what life was like in Newtown? Because we're talking about the 1930s. Were there it, difficult it, times here? Or? It was very hard times. Of course, the recession was on at that time. People were, were poor, really poor. Um, we had a family that was growing every two years. Uh, my eldest brother was two years older than me. And we were gradually graduating into a pedagogical school every two years. I would have thought it was a very, very difficult time for mum especially. Dad was only a postman. And the wages then were probably something like about £3 a week. 
a difficult time. Were there big employers in the town? What sort there of work were, were people doing? There were factories. Um, people were... Well, Newtown was once called the busy leaves of Wales. And um, mills, more woolen mills. Of course, um, there were warehouses around the place um, where farmers used to bring their wool and it'd be stored and cured and so on. And there was a, a tannery in the town which uh, quite a few, employed quite a few people. Um, Price Jones's warehouse um, was, a, was the biggest building and the, one of the biggest employers. That, uh, I recall my mum saying that when she was young, she was started in there uh, as a dressmaker. We didn't get too much involved with the war, uh, apart from hearing the bombers going over to Liverpool and places like that. A lot of uh, Newtonians, of course, went into the army or the forces, were called up. The younger lads, well, they just left high school, probably, or intermediate school when they were 18 years of age. In fact, the cricket club itself lost about seven or eight of the younger players. Sad time, hard times. I started to play cricket, I remember, when I was about 13 or 14. There was an army camp based in Newtown at that time, a holding battalion, as they called it, where troops were coming in and out and they had, did their training. And whilst here, there was, uh, they played football and cricket. And we, as young people, um, got involved with their sports. I graduated into the school team playing football and playing cricket. And we played against some of these army sides, even though we were only 15, 14, 15. Did you um, play any representative uh, cricket or football when you were at school? Did you go beyond the school and play for representative teams? No. I, I played for the school team against um, some of the army sides, that, that's all. I remember playing football when I was 17 for the town and uh, scoring a goal against them. And when I actually went into the army when I was 18 to do my national service, the officer who was inspecting us on our discharge after six weeks to go further afield training. He he um, he stood in front of me and said, I think I know you, don't I? And I said, uh, you might do, sir. And he said, uh, your name is Lewis? I said, yes. And he said, you're the devil who scored against us. Um, in Newtown, in, against uh, our team in Newtown. And I said, yes, I, I was stationed in Wrexham at that time. And he was commanding officer up in Wrexham at that. So it was a, a start in my army career. Yes, I did play quite a bit of football and cricket in, um, 
in the army. And with your cricket, um, did you immediately know you were going to be a bowler rather than a batsman? Yes. Or? Um, I thought I was a batsman, as every bowler thinks he does. But uh, no, when I started, um, all you could do as a young lad, um, they'd allow you on the field if you had either cricket boots on or plimsolls, as we used to call them, pumps. So, and all you did was field whilst the men practiced in the nets, you know, and you fetched the ball and that was it. And when I got to about <coughs> a reasonable age, uh, they allowed me to do a bit of bowling, and that's where Jim Thomas, for example, who was the next-door neighbour as a left-arm fast bowler, I wanted to bowl fast like him, or the Irish right-arm. Uh, a schoolmaster called Mr. Passant, uh, he played for the town, and he was a, a fast bowler, and he had a, I think he had a trial for Yorkshire, but um, didn't go for some reason, but um, these were people that I was looking up at, and my uncles, I had two uncles who played, my eldest brother was then playing, and gradually I got into the side and played on a regular basis. Okay, so there's a number of local heroes there. Did you yes. have any national sporting heroes in yes, sports one that you looked at? Len Hutton was one. Um, I remember in 1939, um, I think it was just before the war, and England were playing South Africa in Durban, and it was a, 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 I think it was a game of play to the finish because they wanted to get back before the war started. And um, Len Hutton got 360-odd runs, didn't he? And uh, a neighbour in Crescent Street, he had his wireless on, and he called us across the street to me. Again, Len Hutton's got 365, and I was going, ooh, ooh, with my hands up, you know. He was uh, my hero at that time. And a funny thing, when I, after I joined Glamorgan, in very early days, Yorkshire were playing Glamorgan at the Arms Park. And Alan Watkins, I was talking to Alan Watkins in the dressing room, and I said to him, is Len Hutton playing? I wasn't playing. I was just uh, on long started then. And he said, uh, yeah, I think he is, yes. He's, he's, do you know him? Have you seen him? I said, uh, no, he's my, I always thought he was my hero sort of thing. I'd like to meet Come on, I'll, I'll take you down, he said. We went down into the lounge and Len Hutton was writing a letter home or something and um, introduced me to Len Hutton, which made my day, of course. You got you got to the point where you were about to tell us about sport in the army. Yes. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? what that was like for you? Yes. I, if you were playing football and cricket in the army... You were sort of privileged in a way. You had the best food, for example, because you ate at different times because of your the games that you were playing at the times they were played, and 
you had a game, um, a meal after the match, that sort of thing. Um, the, the one game in particular I remember, we played this team called Charterhouse. Didn't know who on earth they were, but they were a public school. And um, it was a two innings match. I hadn't got any kit, to, I mean, at that time, but we all borrowed kit out of the sports store and uh, a pair of boots on from the store. And I bowled, and during the first knock, I got these 10 wickets for 21. We, we'd batted and we got some runs. The second knock, Charterhouse got about 300 runs, I think, and I got one for plenty. So my 10 for 21 didn't look so good after getting one for plenty in the second knock. A few years later, um, we were playing Lancashire at Old Trafford, and somebody called at the dressing room asking for me. So I went to the door, and who should be there but this lad who was the offspare uh, in the, the team at Woolwich. So we had a long chat, and he said, um, Oh, remember that game when we played Charterhouse? Um, and you got all those wickets. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, do you know who was playing in that side? I said, no, I don't know. I haven't got a clue. He said, Peter May. Oh, Peter May was then playing for England, of course. When I, after I got those 10 for 21, the adjutant had a ball inscribed, had the ball inscribed. The story goes on developing and, and uh, I went to uh, a dinner in 1960 by the, uh, run by the uh, Montgomeryshire County Cricket Club, who I was playing for in 1960. And Peter May was the guest speaker. He was presenting the prizes for outstanding bowling, batting and so averages for the county. And I he presented me with a ball for best bowling averages. I had said to him at the time, you're presenting me with a ball. I've got a ball at home that I got presented with when I was in the army, played against you at Charterhouse. And he couldn't quite remember that I said that goes down in my records anyway I bowled you out before anybody in county cricket so that was a feather in my cap I thought and you were still concentrating on bowling fast at that time Ken? yes yes I mean <clears throat> we'd been you're talking about... Uh, we're talking about 1948, 49 now? Yes, yes. So you'd have been about 20 uh, years I old, was, 21? I I came out of the army when I was 20. There was a, a chap who used to play cricket in Newtown called A.F.T. White, and he was now captain at Worcester. Worcester asked me to go for a, 
a trial. In the meantime, Glamorgan must have got into uh, to hear about me, and they asked me to go for a trial. So I thought I'd rather go to Glamorgan than to Worcester, being Welsh and all the rest of it, I felt. You've got to remember that I was a local lad living in Newtown. Humble origins, hadn't been anywhere really, didn't know anything about first-class cricket really. Only played my army stuff and local cricket. Hadn't been on a county ground, hadn't seen a county match. Everybody that I had heard of or saw, well, were on cigarette packets. I went to Worcester and went into the nets when I after I got there and people like Reg Perks, Roly Jenkins, Dick Howarth, Don Kenyon, all household names at that time and I had to bowl in the nets and then they wanted me to bat in the nets which I did and, and afterwards We'd had a fair session, and afterwards we were in the dressing room, changing, and I recall a chap coming in, I didn't know, and he'd got a jet golf clubs on his shoulder, and he said, I can remember it to this day, and he said, Sip, oh, Skipper, I can't play tomorrow, I've done something to my leg, bingo. Oh, he said. And then there was a, a debate going on, saying, uh, uh, well, what can we do now? Because I think the seconds were away playing. They hadn't got anything. Somebody happened to say, well, what about Ken? He, he could play. And the game the following day, which I didn't know anything at all about, was against an old England eleven and household names. P.G.H. Fender, Frank Woolley, Charlie Barnett, all Tiger Smith, all these sort of people, Bill Connor, and people you only just sort of heard on the radio or they said, can you stop over to play tomorrow for us? So I played in this old England 11 match. Uh, I didn't know anything at all about it and the next thing you're on the field with all these household names things were sort of in it went into a blur really but the sequel to that was um my son he ferreted around on the internet and he found a scorecard and yes everything is there and he actually put it on my laptop. Uh, it's not a completed score, actually, which is something I'd love to get now, but um, it does show my name on it. I did get a wicket. I didn't bat because only the first three or four Worcester players batted. Uh, but I did have a, I caught I caught PGH Fender out, uh, and I had a, I know I had a wicket in the first knock, and I had 
I only bowled about four overs and bowled a few overs in the second I got Charlie Barnett out so it was quite successful as far as I was concerned but uh, from my point of view it was going from village cricket into a test match really you I got them uh, actually and they wanted me to sign on after that. I did get a letter from them asking me. To, and I said at that time, well, I had promised Glamorgan that I would be going down for a trial. So I went down to Glamorgan and we played in two club and ground games against the South Wales and Mon League sides. I can't quite remember. I know Jim McConnell and myself played, but the result of that was that Glamorgan wanted to sign me on, and Jim McConnell, and there was one other chap, a chap from Oxford University, uh, but he didn't get taken on. And uh, so um, I was offered the contract there, and I said I would uh, decide when I had a chat at home. And the reason I chose Glamorgan was I felt more at home amongst the, the lads down there than I did at Worcester. Worcester, I thought the lads at, Newtown, at um, Glamorgan were more my type, if you like to call it. You mentioned that you hadn't been to a county ground and you didn't know much about first-class cricket. No. Had you had any coaching at all with no your bowling? No coaching at all, no. Other than in the nets in Newtown and with our local lads and my uncles and that. I This is one thing where I felt through my career, actually, uh, especially the earlier years, a couple of years, where I asked, in Mid Wales, there was nothing like an indoor school. So when you were bowling, yes, how did you decide on how you held the ball and what you were trying to do with how the you, ball? You learned as you went along. Um, obviously, the uh, older players would say, you, you do this, and you pick up these tips from various places and you try yourself. Uh, it wasn't until I got into Glamorgan and uh, George Levis was the coach in those days and up in the indoor school that we started to know the tricks of the trade, if you like to call it. It was just a natural thing that came to me. I was a, a natural away swinger and then started to learn to be able to bowl the straighter one uh, with the seam and using the seam and so on. So you arrived at Glamorgan in 1950? Yes. Uh, the same year that um, Don Shepherd, uh, Jim McConnell, Bernard Hedges, myself, uh, we all started that year. How much and were you getting paid then to play cricket, sir? It's a princely sum of seven pounds, ten shillings, which is seven pounds fifty today, of course. 
some of the away matches, uh, home matches, sorry, um, were away matches. Lanesley, Swansea, Ebbervale, Pontypridd, they were used in, in those days, you see, as well. Newport. Yeah, Neyland. And in those days, again, uh, transport wasn't uh, as free as it was today. I did have my runs in the side. The skipper would say, you're in for the next three or four games. Unfortunately, I was injury prone and had quite a number of nasty ones. We'll get to your injuries shortly, Ken. Let's run through some of the figures that would have been playing for Glamorgan when you joined them. Um, How about if I throw a few names at you and you can tell us a little bit of what you remember. Emrys Davis. Do you remember Emrys? Emrys. Emrys Davis. What a lovely man. A gentleman. Been in with Glamorgan for many years. In fact, Emrys was on the verge of retiring. He was round the 40 mark, I think, when I first knew him. He was always helpful to me. He was the senior pro. I think everybody looked up to Ed. Always willing to put his hand on your shoulder if you were having a rough time and say things will get better. Encouraging. When you were 12th man, you had to be on the lookout for Ed because you'd get a bit tired in the afternoon and he'd give you a signal to get ready and coming off. Probably wanted a, a smoke. <laughs> And so you'd go on as sub. I remember the day he retired. We were playing at Northampton. Frank Tyson was bowling. And the wicket was a good wicket. We bowled on it and barely got the ball above stump high. Frank Tyson put a couple past Emerson's nose and he eventually got out. And we were sitting in the dressing room everybody was deathly hush and uh, Emmys came in and sat by the skipper and he sat there for a second or two and then said well that's it skip when I can't see him it's time to, for me to pack up a very sad day uh, I liked Emmys very much um, you mentioned this gentleman already Alan Watkins Alan, yes, good left armour, great catcher, played for England, of course. I remember playing, I think it was my first away game against Sussex down at Chichester. The first ball of the match, a skipper threw me, threw me the ball, I opened the ball, a ball an in-swinger to him, he was a left-hander. And he played forward to it, straight to Alan, at leg slip. And Alan just pouched it like that, first ball of the match. So I went up to him and he said, do you know what, he said, I wasn't ready. (laughs) I was already settling down, ready, and the ball was there in my hands. Yes, which is a... And that was my first away wicket. 
Next name? Willie Jones. Willie. What a, a lovely character, Willie. About five foot four. Very friendly chap. As nervous man. Great cricketer. But Willie was very a nervous man. And he, he's asked me on occasion. He'd never look at he'd never look at the play. We'd be in the dressing room in in Glamorgan. The window would be to his right. And Willie would be sitting in a corner having a cigarette and asking you how things are going out there. And he's next man in, number three. And he's asked me it on a, on occasion to buckle his pads for him. His fingers and hands were shaking. That was Willie. The funny thing was his best mate in the side was Jim McCollin. And Jim was about six foot two. And Willie was about five foot four. <laughs> the long and the short of it everywhere it went. Hayden Davis? Oh yes, Hayden. Hayden was a good good wicketkeeper. Good squash player, actually. I think he was Welsh champion. He was a pro. He got a, a, a squash court place in Cardiff. Hayden kept to me and I remember him saying early days, we, I think we were playing combined services or something like that in the very early days. And the skipper said to me, said to him rather, um, how's, he, how's he bowling? He said, he's hit about me now. He's hit my hands pretty hard, he said. That was praise from Hayden. He communicated pretty well with the bowler. I remember him keeping wicket to Norman Heaver. Norman used to bowl big in swingers. And he'd stand up to Norman and he had many stumpings off a quickie. Well, Norman wasn't fast, but he was fast medium. But he swung the ball and Hayden would take him down the leg side. Somebody would overstretch and bail somebody off in no time. Very quick hands. Hayden had a car and he, I've been with him quite a number of times in this car. He picked me up. And this one day we'd been playing at Gloucester. Norman Heber and myself got in the back of his car. And um, Hayden's wife was in the front with him. And it was a nasty night, raining. We got as far as Newport and he, he skidded and car spilled out, two doors sprung open and I believe I was thrown out. Norman Heaver said later, I was lying on my back on the floor in the wet and uh, he said, I was looking down at you and you got blood all on your face and all over it. And he said, I thought you were dead. The blood was from Norman Heaver who got a cut across his head and was looking over at me and the blood was dripping down on to my face. And I felt, oh, I'm okay. I said to the doctor, I'm all right, I'm all right. And he bullished me Achy a bit, but that's it. I walked across the room to go out and went down in a heap. I, it was my ankle, my left ankle was broken. And of course, because of the shock or whatever it might have been, uh, I, I hadn't felt it. I wasn't able to play the rest of the 
the game. I, I played it. We played on the Saturday, and they had to have a sub on the Monday and the Tuesday. And that was a, a result of a crash with Hayden. Gilbert Parkas. I didn't have a lot to do with Gilbert. The one thing I do remember was that he was he was obviously a good player. He could play. I remember him at uh, Lanesley, for example. I think he was against Tom Goddard, who was the off-spinner um, for Gloucester. And Gilbert got a little run. Good, good first slipper. Played for England, of course. Good hockey player. I think he played for Wales. We were at the end of one season. We had a, a, a tour down Pembrokeshire. Gilbert had got married and he went to... Gilbert had his honeymoon on, on that tour. It must be nice for his wife. And his wife, yes. And it was fun because um, I remember somebody tapping at his door in the morning saying, come on, Gilbert, you're in next. <laughs> you know that. Uh, yes. Then it was Phil Clift. Phil came in, was in the side. Phil was a, a good player. A very good short leg. It was the fastest wicket I've ever played on. It was a bone hard wicket with a green, greenish top to it. And we got the likes of Trevor Bailey, Ken Preston, opening bowlers, and they were quick. And on that wicket, very quick. The wicket keeper was standing 30 yards back, that sort of thing, and it slips. And uh, I remember we were on the receiving end of Trevor Bailey and Ken Preston's bowling, and we were getting bowled out for not a big total. And I had to go in, and Don said to me, Don Shep was in just before me, and he said, we've got to get some runs here, Ken. So Trevor Bailey was bowling. I faced up the first ball, I threw the bat, I went over gully for four. Next ball, another another four. So I hit him for five fours. The last one went over the top and slipped. Five fours in the over. And he was looking at me and chuntering away. So I said to Don at the end of the hour, I got a few runs, now you get some to go in. First of all, Don got out. So that evening, there was a charity dinner going on, and Trevor Bailey had got a, was hosting a table. And we, some of us, were on his table. And he said, Oh, not you, to me. And anyway, we were having dinner, and there was a raffle going on, of course. We all bought tickets. And I won a bottle of champagne. So when it was brought to the table for to me, Trevor grabbed it. He said, you're not having that. After what you did. So he uncorked it and dished it all out there and then. So on the Monday morning, we batted again. That's how we were batting on the Monday morning. So I think they had 84 runs 
to win the match. At lunchtime came and we were about 49, they were about 49 for three. And the crowd were shouting and baying a bit because they thought we should have stayed on for another half an hour and it all been over. So the skipper got Don and I together and he said, I want you, I'll give you a shilling for every one you hit above the elbow. We finished up. They wanted four to win. The last man in. Don had got six. I'd got three wickets. And skipper uh, Frank Weiger was the uh, Middletex batsman who was holding them at us up on the one end. And a young lad from Cambridge, C.S. Kenny his name was. How I remember that, I do not know. But uh, because my name is Ken, I suppose. C.S. Kenny, he was a Cambridge blue and he was playing for Essex. Came in number 11. And Skipper said to uh, Don, Don, keep Frank there, last ball. Let Ken have a go at this. He, 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 at this new lad so Don bowled and it Frank on the pads and it run down to fine leg for four and they won the match but it was a really thrilling match really because <clears throat> they got the game sewn up really and the crowd wanted our blood because we were came off at lunchtime. <laughs> yes. You mentioned the skipper a couple of times. Yes. Do you want to tell us what your recollections are of Wilf well, Fuller? He was a hard man. I think he was fair. I didn't dislike him. Some people did. I know some counties didn't like him. Uh, he was tough and he told you what he thought. He'd ha I've had a couple of goals from him, but I think he was probably within his rights. I couldn't say he was really unfair. The only thing that I felt, and Don did too, Don Chet, when Don was bowling fast before he changed, to off cutters, uh, we thought we weren't getting the chance on the wickets that we thought we could get them out on. Uh, Wilf was a seam bowler himself, and he bowled, we thought, far too much, and we didn't bowl enough. And this one day, it was a Friday, and the team had come back, and Wilf came to see what the wicket was like for the following day and he was with Johnny Clay old Johnny Clay who was a, a Glamorgan figurehead for years and uh, they were inspecting the wicket and chattering away and I was standing back there and I, was, uh, I could hear what was going on and they were talking to Jim and then they said no Jim no no 
And he, Jim was trying to put his case forward for the wicket. And they said, no. Up on there, this is the Friday night before the match next day. Cut from there. So Jim had to go and prepare a wicket that evening for the next match because that one was too good. I think <coughs> Skipper had it in his mind that it's going to be a, a, a spinner's wicket against the team. I can't remember the team they were, we were going to play the following day, but it was going to be a spinner. Spinner's attack. <laughs> was it was it tough being a pace bowler in Wales? It was very much so. Um, and this is one th- thing that went through my mind many times. Uh, Worcester wicket would have been far better. Glamorgan had a spin attack. They had Jim McConnell. Len Munster, Len was ex-Middlesex, of course, wasn't he? Uh, Off-spinner, he could bowl leg spinners and googlies as well. They had Willie, Willie Jones was a left-arm spinner. Emrys, in fact, was a, a left-arm. And I've seen Emrys bowling on Swansea wickets, really not very... Fast bowler friendly. And then when you go to uh, another county, you could tell the difference. Yes. Um, Wilf features in your best first class figures in a match in 1953 against Kent. Do you remember that match? Against Kent? Yeah. Yes. This is at the Arms Park. At the Arms Park in 1953. Yes, we played Kent. Uh, yes, I was. I remember playing there. I think I, I got three or four wickets. Yes, there is one memory from that that I can recall. Uh, Brian Edridge, uh, one of the Edridge brothers, brother to Bill and Jeff and Brian, and um, Brian was playing for Kent. He left arm, left-hander. And I had a shout at him, LBW, out. He didn't like, Brian didn't like it, I think. But he was out. A couple of years later, he signed on for Glamorgan. And he came to digs with me. And the first thing he said to me, I bloody hit it. I said, you didn't, you were plum. I nicked it, I nicked it, he used to say. And if we went out for a drink together, he'd say, I nicked it to start with. By the end of the evening, I hit it in the middle. (laughs) Yes. Memory. You talked about your injuries earlier, Ken, and you were dogged by injuries, I think, throughout your first-class career. Do you want to tell us how, you know, where, where you first had difficulties with, with injuries and how they came about? Well, the, the one I've mentioned uh, was the one with Hayden, in Hayden's car, where I only played um, the first day. And 
I, th I, I thought I was jinxed a bit because I, <coughs> there was an entry that I had, which is a, na a really nasty one, um, playing against, well, we were playing Worcester at Dudley. On the Saturday, it rained all day and we never went on the field. On the Sunday, Len Munzer had got a benefit game at Claverley. Um, and Claverley used to hold a lot of benefit matches, a lovely club. I played there with um, Newtown. And probably the best tees you'll ever get on a, on a cricket field, especially the stormy time. And uh, Sir Herbert Smith was um, the squire of the parish, opening the batting for the opposing side, which is a select side. They picked a couple of Worcester players, a couple of Warwickshire players were playing for Len. We were bowling against them, and the skipper threw the ball to me. Got to the end of my run-up. Sir Herbert, batting, always give him one off the mark. And suddenly the skipper shouts over to me, <coughs> I can, hang on, give me the ball. So I give him the ball. And he called Bernard over, your father. And he said, come on, Bernard, you can run it off. Bernard, we'd had a, a few beers the night before and he wasn't feeling too clever. So Skipper had it in mind that Bernard was going to open the ball in and, and run it off. Ken, go to Bernard's cover point. So B Bernard comes in to bowl, gentleman outside the off stump. Sir Herbert plays it through the covers toward past me and I'm jogging along about to pick the ball up and suddenly I'm on my back and my arm is terrific pain and everybody dashed over to me and found that I had dislocated my elbow. Your final injury that put paid to your first class career? Well, I had one that, uh, which uh, really was an, uh, uh, annoying and the climax, really. Um, I, uh, we were playing at, uh, I think, Derbyshire or somewhere like that, and I'd bowling away, and uh, Skipper had already told me I was we're playing the Aussies next day. My bowling arm, I, I, I got in a, 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 a nerve or something was catching in, in my right elbow, my bowling arm. Every time I bowled, it was going, it was agony. You were only 27 when you finished yes. uh, playing first class cricket. Yes. Did you know what you were going to do then? Had you had any thoughts no, about I hadn't really. My wife was with me, of course, she was teacher, my wife, and she put up with quite enough. Uh, and as I said, as a, a single bloke, it was a, a, a decent life, a good life. You, you couldn't care less sort of thing. It was a fun game. 
Well, when you're married, fair play, my wife was backing me all the way. She'd been a, a brick. She passed away a couple of months ago. We'd been married 66 years. And she put up with a, an awful lot. So how long is it going to last? Am I going to get injured again? How long a contract am I going to have? Two years, one year, whatever. And then what happens? We have to uproot. Do I go into digs? Do we buy a house down there? Whatever. So no. I wrote to him, told him. I was, um, I was stopping cricket and I was going to get a job. And that's what I did. What did you end up doing? I went back actually to my job in Phillips Cycles, which I was going back to in the, in the winter as progress clerk in this, in this factory. So um, I went there for a while and then the chap from the Prue Prudential came after me and uh, suggested that I went and worked for them. They got an opening. Would I like to go? So I thought, well, right, why not? So. And were you still able to bowl? Okay. I was able to bowl a certain amount. Um, I'd had an operation on my neck. I had three vertebrae fused. They cut a scar. I've got the scar today where they cut through there and they had to work through the fuse. They took a piece of bone out of my hip and fused. And I, can, I, I can get so far around there. I, I'm not, not so bad that way. But a bit restricted there. But I, I was able to bowl. I played cricket until I was about 45. I played for Shropshire Gents a lot. My boss played with Shropshire Gents. He, and he capped in the side after finishing with Montgomeryshire. And uh, he, he, we played quite a lot in Shropshire, up into Worcester. And they were happy times. So. And you've maintained your links with Newtown Cricket Club over the I years? I did. I, I still retain the links. Uh, I was president there for three years and I did a certain amount of coaching. started playing cricket and uh, I, I, I started coaching them and then uh, other people so in the club and we got a team eventually and uh, went around playing other teams locally, Welshpool and so on, all young lads. And out of the 11 or so, 12, 13, that we had in Newtown, eight or nine of them played in the first team eventually. So a little bit of coaching does help. And this is why I do feel that Glamorgan are a bit lax in that respect. Midwales seems to suffer 
they go so far up, uh, get as far as Brecon, and that that that's it really. Where, where there's no one comes this end. Do you used to watch cricket on the telly? Do you watch Test cricket? I, or? I do, I do. I'm keen watching the sport. I, I like all sports really. My even my sisters, uh, I had five of them, and they're all in interested in sport. You can talk sport to them. Some women, you uh, they can't, but they watch the tennis. They watch the cricket. Uh, oh, did you see the cricket now? These. 2020. I'm not very keen on this 2020, but it, it brings the crowds in, doesn't it? And that's the thing. But um, I think I'm a bit old-fashioned. I, I, when I sit and watch uh, telly and watch a test match or whatever it is, uh, no, one will, no one will speak. <laughs> I like to concentrate on, on watching. Um, some people are talking away and ending and I, and I, I'd hate to go in, into a very noisy, crowded game, you know. It was always in the past. I mean, I've been at Cardiff Arms Park and 8,000 in the old Arms Park. 8,000 people there. I've been at St. Helens when there's 30,000 on a bank holiday Monday with the West Indies or the Aussies playing there, South Africans maybe. Um, but you wouldn't have the noisy singing, shouting, dancing that you have today. There'd be cheers and claps and things like that. Yeah, it, it's more of a football crowd there. Uh, these days in this that sort of cricket, isn't it? I know county cricket has changed completely from what it was in those days. Look at the <coughs> I I was thinking uh, the other day, and I put put a note uh, down. Um, um, <coughs> if you were twelfth man, for example, the duties of a twelfth man, and in those days. Uh, remembering there was we didn't have the transport that you had you had everywhere you went by train and you might be playing as Lan Ethley and the game was finished and you were twelfth man and you had to make sure those twelve bags big bags were put in taxis to catch that train that was going up to London and you had to make sure those bags were on the train um, you went maybe on a three-day, on a three-game journey, which meant you were playing uh, maybe Middlesex, Sussex, and Kent. So you were away for a four-day match and two three days. But that that was a hard job of the twelfth man. And yet, and you know what drinks the, the lads wanted when they came off the field. They wanted they wanted to know where they sat in the dressing room, where they changed, where the kit was, in case they wanted a sweater, or Willie might might want a cap, 
or Gilbert might want an extra sweater because it was cold. What, be there. One of the biggest differences, of course, in those days was you had amateur players and professionals. Do you remember anything about that? It had gone, really. There was still a certain element of it there in, in 1950, but earlier than that, it, there was, certainly. I think the gentlemen and players still had the, the match going, but there wasn't so much, certainly not in... Glamorgan, anyway, that's a sure fact. Um, Wilf used to mix in with you all, did he? Oh, yes, always. Looking back now, Ken, at your professional career, sporting career, and your recreational career, uh, is there any one particular memory that kind of, uh, uh, that you go back to time and time again that you enjoy thinking about? Well, I enjoyed the fact that I, I was able to play. I was good enough to be asked to join a first-class county. Uh, the, uh, the, the regret was that I didn't get what I thought I might have got. I loved the life. I had the backing of a, a marvellous wife and family, the two lads, two lovely granddaughters who were my two bricks at the moment. Uh, angel number one and angel number two, as their nan called, her, called them. And I think they are her angels now. Yes, it's, it's been a long life. 92 years of it, I didn't think for a moment I'd ever get to this age. But uh, I don't feel 92, actually. <laughs> you feel in your head as if you could still go down and turn your arm over. Maybe not quite as quick. But and the game of cricket for you still delivers lots of happiness and joy just it thinking does. about it it does yeah I, uh, I I don't envy anybody I don't envy Bernard Don Jimmy Mack who joined with me I only wish I could have been there with them all the way through we go to the um, players reunion each year we reminisce go back through these good times, the bad times. But lovely. Yeah. Um, would I do it all again? I don't know about that. I'd be silly enough to do it, I think. <laughs> no, I, I think like Don and Bernard and Peter Walker, Peter was a good friend. They got on well and good luck to them. Very pleased for them. Unfortunately, sadly, they're no longer with us. Uh, and to be the last survivor of the 
1950s. It's really sad. I can still see them all as if it was the first day of 1950. I can still see every one of them as they were. We usually end our interviews with a loud cricket appeal, but on this occasion it felt it would be better for us just to linger a little longer over Ken's final reflections. Next week, we welcome back curator of the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket, Dr Andrew Hignall, who brings us the story of Tal Whittington, solicitor, batsman and crucial individual in bringing first-class cricket to Wales in 1921. So do join us again when we'll be bringing you some more stories about the great game of cricket, the great country of Wales. Oilval, bye for now. Story you have Nigadani. Macrosek Gisilti. A bossioch MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail.com. Nate, El Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Nate, Intidalin Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email mwcpod1921 at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.